Today's guest is Brittany Bond. We are in Cape Town, traveled South Africa. We talk about some historical events that happened to happen. And if you caught episode 60, you may remember Brittany. She's a business consultant, has a YouTube channel on remote work, various adventures, was in the Jehovah's Witnesses. We spoke about that in the last episode. But in this episode, we speak about women's rights, different sides of Me Too, men, women stuff. Oh, and uh, feminine influence topping and bottoming. Some of Brittany's perspectives have changed, as has mine, since we last spoke in episode 60, which was recorded about a month ago. And um, yeah, so check this episode out. It's a good time. Brittany's laughing over here. This is episode <laughs> 062, Brittany Bond's Cape Town Adventures. You're listening to the Rwando Podcast, Perpetual Orgasm, Infinite Play. Please subscribe on iTunes and enjoy the show. So we're here in Cape Town, uh, around the block from Parliament, which was unexpected. A lot of unexpected things. Huh? But we've been traveling uh, South Africa for a bit. Who's we? Uh, me, and, me and you. <laughs> Who else? I mean, there's going to be an intro before this. Oh, okay, okay. Go. I like to start, I like to start like in real time, like a movie. Okay. Um, yeah, so you know, that's, my, that's my intro. That's my opening volley of communication. Are we going now? Oh, yeah, I don't know. This is, yeah, this is the podcast. I'm so much more structured than you are about these things. Yeah. That's just how it goes. But anyway, <clears throat> as, I, as I mentioned, um, there was the Women's March, what, yeah, like four days crazy. ago? Yeah, that was crazy. What the fuck was yeah, that? Yeah, so Airbnb randomly is uh, on the same block as, par- as South African Parliament. We didn't know that. We actually tried to walk through Parliament to get to the park on the side, and the guard was like, no, you can't do this. And we're like, why not? And we found out later it was Parliament. Um and then there was a, yeah, a woman raped, murdered, I guess it was a bit ago. Not just one woman, many women. Well, the, the one them. particular woman that made the case, it was the catalyst. But yes, yeah, South Africa yeah. has the highest rapes per Everything. Minute. Yeah. Um, but there was one college student who was on her way to the post office and she was kidnapped, raped, and murdered. Yeah. And the government didn't handle it well and that caused an... Uh, a march on Parliament, which was our, our street, and we got to we joined it. Witness history. We literally went on the wall of Parliament and stood over the march, cheering people on. My yeah. hands were shaking because there was it was crazy. It was like yeah, it was like thousand people history. there, yeah. and like the, we saw the president speak. The president came out and gave a speech in front of us. Yeah, President Ramaphosa just like what got out came out of his equivalent of the White House, stood in a car, and like addressed the people. It was like it was crazy. <laughs> Definitely not what happened. Not yeah. All in a day. All in a day's worth. All in a week's worth of time. Yeah. So. um one thing I want to talk about on this podcast, because we already have the intro one where everyone knows what I do, what you do, blah, blah, blah. But the thing I found really interesting is our our different opposing, not opposing, but our different sides to the story of everything. Oh, yeah. Men and women. Yes. Yeah. I think this is something that your audience would benefit from. Don't talk to them like that. I'm just kidding. No, okay. no, 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 this is something I always say to you is like how much of an impact you're making on the world in a really positive way. And I feel the same way about me when it comes to women, but how <clears throat> I feel like there's a lot of controversial things that people don't talk about because yeah. they, people don't understand the other side. Yes. Yeah. And so I think it'd be interesting for people to hear us talk about these things. Yeah. We talked about 
Well, we were on MDMA and we started talking about Me Too and stuff like that. I'm like, wait, maybe we should save this for when we're not on drugs. So here, here we are. Yeah. So <clears throat> why don't you tell everyone your version of the Me Too movement and I'll tell them mine. Yeah. Well, I think tied to the whole South African uh, protest thing, the thing, I mean, obviously yeah, I'm a supporter of, of everything and like, yeah, people have varying degrees of hate when they put up like placards. Like sometimes it's like, you know, support our people. Sometimes it's men suck, whatever. There's a lot of, there's a handful of signs that said men are trash. Um, and who was holding the signs? Well, there were women, but there's also some men holding men are trash. And any guy like me cringes because, well, the main thing is I don't trust such a man. It's kind of like, like, what are you, what are you, what are you getting at here? Like either you hate yourself or you're trying to get attention or like you're one of, I mean, it's similar on the race thing when like white people, say all this evil like negative stuff about white people it's like what are you trying to accomplish here like I, I a part of me doesn't trust it because like and then the main the, the the more important thing is it's not actually driving towards a solution great you tell men they're trash maybe that message gets across and the next generation of boys believes it how does that solve how does that make the future better in fact you might even be creating more rapists and misogynists by telling men that they're bad because then some of them are going to retaliate because they don't know any better the point is, is that there's a better way. Like it doesn't help anyone by putting someone, putting them down, putting men down doesn't help women get brought up. It yeah. just brings everyone down. So I do believe some men are trash, but I don't think holding that on a sign walking around town is going to help. Yeah. Anybody. Well, the sign says men it doesn't say some men. Yeah. It said, and then, yeah, it's just, uh, anytime you push in one direction, you're going to get pushed back. So you're not actually driving towards the solution. I think I told you yeah. even when we were running yeah, the DMA, yeah. like uh, I appreciate how not vindictive you are when you've been wrong, because that's actually creating a, a solution. Like you're not creating, you're not perpetuating the cycle of pain where you just dump your hurt on the next person. You're actually like, okay, I'm ending it. I'm ending it because I'm not responding with more hate. Uh, and then we can because actually. That's not the answer. Yeah. Responding with more hate doesn't actually do anything. Like, I can feel my anger and stand up for myself. <clears throat> like, I was raped when I was a kid, and I went to the police, figured out the statutory limita limitations for California, figured out that I could <clears throat> speak up for myself within a certain age limit, and I went and reported it. And I like, confronted the person. And my biggest thing was that I needed to speak up for myself. It didn't really matter to me what happened after that, but the thought that that person could be out there doing it to other people and I didn't say anything made it so I needed to speak up and also to do it for myself. And then whatever happened after that didn't matter because the biggest thing I could do is live a really happy, full life. And to me, that was the biggest revenge that I could have on the situation was that that person was going to keep me down or whatever power thing that they had going on didn't affect me in my life now. Yeah, that's amazing. But I don't, I want to say all of this, like to say, like I do, we also talked about the whole thing with me too, is because mm -hmm. when it comes, I just want to say one more thing about the signs, because one thing you said during the rally, which stuck out to me was that the, the so if they're holding men are trash signs, mm -hmm. right. And there's men coming to those rallies, supporting the women, like you were said, like the rapists aren't reading those signs. Right. It's like the people that are coming out trying to help. And then they're seeing, like, if it's a guy come trying to come out and help and he's like, what now I'm considered trash and I'm here. And I don't, what I'm trying to say is it doesn't help the situation. Right. right. Um, but going back to like the me too movement, I think 
I, it really bothers me that a lot of in the media, it's pinpointing the one person out of a thousand who made it up. That like the basically trying to invalidate everyone else. You mean women who who speak up and say who are like falsely accused? So. Yeah. So the, those are the, the ones that are sensationalized in the media because that's like something great for the news. But then I think those are the ones that are used to invalidate everyone else or question everyone else's story for speaking up um, to the point where they're not taking it seriously anymore. And the one thing I always want to say is like I don't think men realize. Or maybe they just haven't never had to be put in the situation, but the amount of backlash a woman knows she's going to receive, even if everyone believes her, is so much so that she better be like having some major reason why she's standing up. Like she mm -hmm. has to be so brave. And if she gets some money out of that, that's not anything. Like if, she, if that really did happen to her, why is it a big deal if she wants money out of it or she feels like she needs something to repay her? That's a whole other side thing, but I don't think any of those things take into account how hard it is for someone to speak up. So whatever your reasons or how you feel like that person's trying to get attention or they're trying to get money, that's something that you can feel, but don't invalidate that it happened because that's like one of the biggest things that gets used against a woman is like, oh, you probably just made it up for this, this, and this. Don't you think now is the easiest time in history for women to do it, though? Or, like, it's, like, it's better now than pre-Me Too? I think it's better, but I don't think it's... I would never voluntarily do that. Like, mm -hmm. like I, I don't know most women that would. Like, there's, like, the crazy people out there that mm -hmm. probably would, but it still is... I have friends who have spoken up, and... Even though everyone believed them after that, they basically told me like they were pretty much viewed as like a tainted whore. Like even though they were the victim and it wasn't their fault within their community, people still wouldn't touch them. So it's like, yeah, maybe they got some money out of it or something, but they were like, I didn't even want the money. I didn't even want the publicity. I just wanted that person to stop and I didn't want them to keep doing it to other people. And now I'm looked at as like, like a blamer and I'm looked at as this person that ruined this person's life when they ruined my life to begin with. I didn't ask for any of this. So it's like, I still don't think all of that is worth it for someone to stand up and do that. I don't think most people would. I mean, flip, flip it the other direction. If a guy stood up and said, Oh, this person raped me. Like even from a male perspective, they would probably not do it even more so. Right. Because like of all the stuff that goes along with, that happening to someone. Yeah. I mean, it would be, I think it would be particularly humiliating. So I don't know. That's what I think is interesting. It's like put yourself, even if as a man, like even if that happened to you, so it's not as common, right? It still happens that men get raped or molested, but as a man, how would it feel to stand up? Even if you knew, Oh, I'm going to get some retribution out of this or this and that, like you would, you still would be like, no, I'm just going to like, like you always say, I'm just going to walk it off. Like, no, I, I mean, I mean, I'm just trying, I can't imagine a situation, but I'd probably kill the person before I made it a public thing. I would rather go that route. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of women probably would. And this goes a whole other subject that I talk about is the whole feeling safe as a woman. It's like so much of it is the fact that men are physically stronger than most of us. Yeah. I think that's an important thing that uh, people need to understand too. Cause I'm actually, I shared with you, like when I was modeling, there were cases where I felt uh, I was being sexualized. And uh, there have been cases like in my career where I felt like an older woman was hinting that if I slept with her. 
But to your point, I never felt physically in danger. So it's just like the worst it got was very awkward. Yeah. And like terrifying. I've had the flip side of that where I've been in modeling shoots where the guy came on to me and I'm not just thinking about, oh, how can I, you know, get out of this embarrassing moment? I'm literally like, where's the door? Is this guy going to attack me before I can get out the door? Mm hmm. And that's like a whole other level that I don't think guys have to think about. And so if you don't have to think about it, you just don't think about it. Yeah. And that feeds into a lot of things that women do and they get blamed for doing those things. That just makes me really angry because I'm like, I just view myself as a, a human. I don't view myself as weak or lesser or even that different than guys. And maybe that's my masculine energy or whatever, but... It, I don't, I just don't think in that way. And then when men like create these stereotypes of women, I'm just like, I like literally logically think it out. And I'm like, this doesn't add up. Like you're not thinking of this other thing that is a major thing. And that's the one thing where we talk about coming here to Cape Town is as a woman, I go running every morning. I have my headphones in my wireless headphones, which are Apple and they're super expensive for here. And my brand new iPhone 10 that I stick into my boob and I run around and I don't feel safe doing that here. And I do that in every other country I've been in. And I always talk about how I've been to all these countries. And that's a big factor for me is like, can I live here? Do I feel safe to go running in the morning? And the fact that it's like in the middle of the day and I don't feel safe. And I don't say that lightly. That makes me really angry because mm-hmm. I'm thinking of the women. We listened to it on the radio the other day. Like they interviewed all these high school students and they were saying like, they have to get up at 6 a.m. in the morning on the bus to get to the bus, and it's dark, and they have to walk through the townships, which is like the ghetto, mm-hmm. from their house to the bus stop, and it's dark, and it's scary, and there are literally rapists out there every single day. People are getting raped, mm-hmm. and they're just like, yeah, I'm 15, I have to do this every day, or I don't get an education, and I'm just like, that's unacceptable. Yeah. Those are the things that drive me a little bit crazy. I just, like, from a women's perspective coming here, I feel like it's different than if we were, if like, you from a male perspective coming to Cape Town. Yeah, because when it comes to countries like this, I feel the most, not unsafe, but, like, I feel like I'm on edge just because I'm with a woman. I wish everyone could see my face right now because it's, like, a face of anger. Uh Uh-huh. Like, yeah. that's not fair that mm-hmm. you don't have to think about the same things I have to think about. If anything, it's almost an inconvenience that I'm here. If you're going to think of it as in a very cold, logical way, you're actually put more on edge being around a woman than you are by yourself because you have to think about protecting me here. Yeah. Yeah. That's bullshit. Yeah. I mean, it shouldn't be that way. Yeah. I just think that in like Western society, women nowadays have more rights, have more, you want to say more power or whatever, more mm-hmm. voice. And then that's almost being used to villainize a lot of women or to the power is being almost like twisted. Like, oh, they can manipulate men or they can do things to men to hurt men. Right. But in, I don't know. I, th- I think those are two totally separate things. I don't know how those feed into violence. I don't think. Because women have more rights and more power, they're being raped more. No, no, I wasn't going to say that. I was just saying, like, 
I'm just saying, like, we, it just feels like we have issues everywhere. Like, so yeah. that's happening in the West. And here, like, they literally can't walk outside without having to worry about someone attacking them. In a very real, like, I was told that most of the stuff that happens here is a car pulls up to you and either mugs you or kidnaps you. Uh -huh. And that's, like, a very normal thing that happens here in Cape Town. I'm just like, how is that where we're at in 2019? How is that still a thing? Yeah, I mean, one thing that I, I don't see the rate of women as misogyny. Like it's a violent crime, an opportunistic crime, but it's not like women hating. That's where I think something gets mixed up a little bit. I mean- But do you think it is a power dynamic? Well, because men, these men have the impulse to commit a sex crime and they would, they want to do it on a woman, specifically a woman they can overpower. It's not like, we hate women, so we're going to go rape them. I don't think anybody's thinking that, which is why I think some of the messages, I'm like, who are you talking to, like, with the signs? Like, the men who are reading it don't have these impulses, or they're not doing it, and the men who are doing it would never even see your sign, which is why I think, like, it's a lot of yelling against walls, or, like, yelling into space. Well, I think this week they were yelling at the government to create better... Yeah, which is this is great. I think that was really important, and I'm I'm shocked at how South Africa is small enough that you create a rally and the president comes out and talks to everybody. Well, we're also in the capital. I think it would. But that would, yeah, I mean, in, yeah, yeah. in Western. I know we talk about that all the time. Like this would like Trump would not be talking to us right now. Mm -hmm. But I I find what you say you're saying interesting in the sense of if. If what these women are saying with their signs or whatever, <clears throat> or who they're yelling at, if that's not really going to fix it, then what do you think is going to fix it for these men that are running around raping people? Because um, sometimes I'm like, they have sisters, they have daughters, they have, like, well, how, what is it going on in their brain that makes it okay to do this? But that's the thing, it's like, it's not about women, it's like the guy who would rape a, a young girl is a mur is also, and murder her is also a murderer. Like, it's like a, a huge jump. That's why I get frustrated with the men are trash. It's like, there's a huge jump to wanting to take someone's life, especially in civilization. Like but How are there so many of them here in South Africa? Right, because they can get away with it. Like So that's in just England, saying that people would do it more if they could get away with some it. Some people, these people who are willing to go to the point of murder... Yeah, like in London, there's probably more people who would rape if they could get away with it. I assume London is safe. I haven't been there. But, uh, like, hold on, just like, so there's this percentage of people who are sick in the head who are willing to do these things. And, yes, if there isn't safety and police and things there to prevent that, then they can get away with it. How do you fix that? I don't think, I mean, I don't think you can fix the mind of someone like that if they've already gotten to that point as an adult. I think you fix it when they're young and maybe need some sort of some sort of help because I mean anyone who goes to the point where they want to take someone's life probably they might have been unstable to begin with but they might have had a lot of things or lacked support to develop in a way that they didn't want to kill people but I also need to call out this whole mindset that <clears throat> happens a lot even in the U.S. when it's like a white person goes around and shoots up a bunch of buildings or mm -hmm. a bunch of people. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, oh, well, they're just mentally ill. Well, let's just like put them in a mental and a sane asylum. Whereas if it's like, you know, a Middle Eastern person, it's like, oh, that's terrorism. That person is evil. 
everything they're, well, they're doing both, is evil. They've both gotten to the point. Because I feel like you just did that right now, where you're like, oh, they're just mentally ill. No, because, I mean, to be a terrorist, you're also, you've gotten to a point where your mind is very different than the general population. Like, that doesn't happen overnight. And like, but once someone gets to that point, you're not going to be able to talk them out of their hatred of Jews or their willingness to kill and rape women. Like, you're not just, like, there's nothing, like, no sign is going to do that. No, like, social campaigns could be like, oh, oh, I was going to rape someone. Now I don't, like, that, they are gone at that point. But at one point, that person who shot up the school or the person who blew up an airplane or whatever, they were uh, an eight-year-old boy who was probably confused and maybe needed some love and maybe needed some guidance and maybe needed some discipline. And maybe he was going to go crazy anyway, but I think a lot of those people, especially the when you, when you, when you see some of the stuff that the super incel shoot-up school type guys, they're really in pain and they went off the rocker. Right. And I think there's a lot of guys, a lot of young boys, boys who are in this place where they're malleable. And if someone gets to them, they could become a terrorist or a mass murderer or a regular person, depending on how they're cultured. Yeah. I mean, I was talking to some people here this week and they were saying, I just, I was asking everyone, I was just like, what do you think about what's going on? And what do you think is the problem? And that's kind of what one of them said was it starts with, no fathers at home and then the the person that these young men see in the community are like the gangsters who seem to have some money they seem to be at least protected and not scared of what's going on within their own community of violence and then they slowly gravitate towards them and then they're a gang member and then they're going out and doing whatever but I don't even think that I don't think that most people here are gang members. That That's are what I was gonna say. Like, are the rapists gang members? That that almost feels like no. not that I know much about gangs, but like to rape children. Like in prison, if you're a child rapist, you get killed on day one. Yeah. Like there's like a code of honor. But here, what if it's not like all the prisons are full of them? And if anything, they're letting them out on bail easy. I don't know enough about the details of the crimes here it just sounds like a lot of them are getting out like no one's really taking it seriously <clears throat> i mean even in thailand where we normally live like if you go report any sort of rape or especially domestic abuse they just they just laugh at you like my thai girlfriends say that they don't even report stuff because the police are worse than the perpetrators sometimes hmm. And I'm just like, how do we live in that world where our government doesn't protect us? Or it's, this is where I think a lot of the women get fed up because the people that are making the decisions and the people that are the police officers and supposed to be helping you and the people that are raping you, they all are men. And they're just like, on every level, it's failing me. Like all the way down to the person in the street, all the way up to like the president. Like every person could have stepped in at this point and helped or at least believed me or supported me along the way. And they're not hmm. like a lot of the women here, a lot of the people here, I don't know if it's just women are upset because a lot of the cases that do get brought up are the people are just let out on bail so easily. Like this guy that raped a four year old boy, he got let out on bail to the equivalent of, I think a hundred dollars. Oh. And it was just like, and he's back on the street and like, no one's doing anything about it. And I think that's why one of the major things they were, the things they wanted to do, bring this 
up this week was like they wanted it to be a state of emergency for women to like say like hey look we need to fix some stuff but also they want to bring back i think it was the death penalty, the death penalty. for rape yeah because they're just like and i don't as from a political standpoint that makes sense that they're going that far they're like making a statement i don't think that's actually what's going to happen but i think they're trying their point is they have to go that far for the compromise to come back to mm-hmm. okay maybe we'll just make it harder on the people that are doing this because like getting off for a hundred dollars for raping someone seems very petty to me hmm. yeah i wonder if uh i was trying to put my head in like the mind of someone who would rape someone like would legal consequences make a difference obviously not i mean they're not it's i mean not they like might they're... to a degree i don't know well i guess if it's the death penalty maybe that would scare you enough but i think mm-hmm. right now it's just more of a general culture of i will get away with this mm-hmm. like it doesn't really matter because whatever it is is like probably i won't even get caught let alone if i do it's fine like the the big thing that was happening in the news was not only the guy the guy that was a major catalyst who raped and murdered this university student mm-hmm. that was on her way to the post office he said she wouldn't that bitch wouldn't die fast enough mm-hmm. and like that's a whole other mentality of oh let me see if i can get away with this or you know whatever it's like he viewed her so low or just like as i can't even like put into words what that meant but like all I know is I'm horrified when I read that in the newspaper. I read that in the newspaper here. Yeah. But I'm saying like that is not indicative of culture. He wasn't like, oh yeah, it's not not this I don't think him saying that is on is the same thing as like uh culturally viewing women as weak. Like he's on a different level than than regular people. Even like misogynistic bros in that you meet around, like, wouldn't say something like that when it comes to death, especially. No, but I do think that it reflects a culture of, I will get away with it, and this person is not valuable. Like, there's something there that I feel like reflects back onto the culture of him feeling like he could do that in broad daylight at Mm. a post office and get away with it. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. There's some something that's off in that situation. Like from a legal standpoint, when I look at that, I'm like that person was cognizant of what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Like you, like if I was to fight this case, I would be like, "There's no way I'm gonna. Let, if I defend this person, I'm, we're not gonna get off on the mentally ill. Mm-hmm. Like he's not gonna get off as oh he's mentally ill. Like he's too with it and he's too like braggy about what he's doing." Mm-hmm. Like if I was his defend, if I was defending them, I'd be like, you need to shut, you need to shut up because you're hurting yourself. Cause now it's gone so far. Like, that's why it was so fueling for everyone here because not only did he did do it, but he had no, he didn't have any remorse. And he was basically saying that he wished she would have died faster. Like he, everything was wrong in that situation. And that's where I think, okay, that reflects something else because he's caught, he's not mentally ill. He's mentally ill in the sense of, he doesn't follow what the masses do, but he's not mentally ill in his motive of wanting to do what he was doing and mm-hmm. feeling very decisive about it. Mentally ill people are what we, at least in the legal field, when I was working in it, was like someone who is not in control of their body and doesn't understand how to work within the framework of society. Mm-hmm. Like they're, they have the intention to do it, but they messed up mm-hmm. and their like their body and brain like kind of betrayed them. But mental illness is not someone who's like 
I'm going to kill this person. I'm going to plan it out. I'm going to do it. That's not mentally ill. And that's why I think it reflects differently into the culture of what, whatever culture this person grew up in or environment made it. So he felt like it was okay to do that and he could get away with it. Yeah. And that's what I think really needs to be changed. Yeah. But I think this is a, uh, South Africa might, uh, set a new precedent for women's safety if they actually listen. Yeah. I mean, which is cool. everything that happened, we viewed like post apartheid is they are one of the most progressive countries. Mm-hmm. They were one of the most behind and now they're starting to be one of the most progressive in a lot of ways. Yeah. So there's the same thing in like Rwanda post genocide. They're one of the safest countries in the world. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like there's this, uh, complete societal, remorse almost or like somberness of like they will not commit violent crime is very rare now because they they're all maybe maybe it's like a cultural shame that they went to that place at one point Hmm. well what else should we talk about this week this month in our lives uh you know relationship patterns and like (laughs) Topping and bottoming influence. Oh, that is something. So we were listening to our last podcast yesterday and today. And I was laughing because in the last one, we're talking about bottoming. And I was just like, ah, I hate that word. I wish like that would go away. And you caught episode 60. We talk about bottoming as a feminine form of influence, but go on. Yeah. So it's basically like you you make the person feel so good about doing the thing that you want them to do. Yeah. Right? As opposed to making them do the thing. Instead of like, yeah. Like telling them, I want you to do this, forcing them to do it. You're almost like submitting to them in a way, but mm-hmm. doing it in a way where you get what you want. Mm-hmm. And you were telling me that the cult you were in, they, they did that so well that it was almost like to the point where it's almost telepathic sometimes. Yeah. Like, yeah. Women specifically would get huge sums of money from men volitionally without even having sex with them it was like it was like like if, if you exchange, think of like prostitution as exchanging sex for money like they were doing the same thing but they got such a good exchange rate that they don't even have to have sex they just like made it so good feel so good for guys to volitionally give up huge sums of money and what i found really interesting about that is like growing up in a household of all women so mm-hmm. like two sisters my mom and then my dad being like super abusive and also weirdly would make us feel like it was like a big control thing in the house. Mm-hmm. And I remember feeling like I didn't want to, yeah, I didn't want to like give up power for him, like to him mm-hmm. in different ways. And then spending the whole rest of my life up until recently, until us talking, mm-hmm. like just being super independent and like wanting to make sure that in a relationship, even I was like super equal about everything. And, but then also like we talk about this, how, how I am so fiercely independent in certain ways, but I'm also like very traditional in other ways. Like I do like it when a guy takes care of me. Yeah. And the, I think that that's where it's like this weird, we have, you know, that's why I said, I think it's really sad that feminism put this third wave feminism in particular, put this idea into women's heads that they have to do what men do and do it even better than men, which is like kind of denies the beauty of feminine qualities were like, it's not about force. It's not about linearity or production. Even it's about making things feel good and maybe you get the same results. But I, I think this is why so many women are stressed out in the working world because they're trying to operate as if they 
have a male nervous system and it's like not the right like a, a woman a, a world run by women would not look the same and would not have the same power structures and not the same corporate structures uh and our view of what's good would be different too so i want to put in the female perspective mm-hmm. of that is like being in the legal field for six years um most of the time i was the only woman in like in any site like i was always like the only girl in the office and I did exactly what you're talking about in the terms of body mean without realizing it. Mm-hmm. And it was just my way of being me. Like I would show up into a meeting, just be like my really happy self, like make everyone feel really good, like give them compliments on exactly. It was very manipulative too. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I noticed the one thing they were insecure about that week and I would give them a compliment on it mm-hmm. and they wouldn't even know that I had been watching them the whole mm-hmm. week. And then I would slip in my proposal or the pitch I had for what I wanted changed or what I suggested we should do on the case. And suddenly everyone was on board with it. Yeah. And I have always been super comfortable doing that in work environments because it's like, I don't know, like a means to an end. I don't feel very emotionally attached to it. It's like a game. Like mm-hmm. I view a lot of business stuff as a big game. And I think that's the way it is. But in my personal life, I've always had a really hard time with that because I think, yeah, I think I worry about falling into a power struggle that I saw my parents in where my dad would be use it in a very negative way. My mom always always wanted, she's literally like Betty Crocker. She just wanted to cook you food and make a really nice home and throw really nice parties and show up in her community and take care of her kids. And she just wanted my dad to be happy with that and to provide for that. And my dad owned his own construction company. He provided, but then he was like weirdly insecure that she would leave or like do something. I don't know. And he would just Mm -hmm. like control, control, control to the point where she ended up leaving in the end because he was started to be like physically abusive towards her Mm -hmm. towards the end of our relation, their relationship. And yeah. So for me, like giving into that and falling into that role of letting someone take care of you. And even if it's like making dinner or, you know, I'm not even saying like from a monetarily point. Yeah. I'm just saying like the, the thing that people miss, I think you're describing it here is that being subservient is not the same thing as bottoming. Like, like bending over and being super accommodating for the other person is not necessarily, it might look similar, but it's like you make it feel really good for them to do a certain thing. It's like, uh, yes, you might not have control, but it's like, oh, dinner's a little, little better when they do the thing that you wanted to do. I mean, this is the, if you look at it really manipulatively, but like, I think, yeah, I mean, when women are in power in a very feminine way, it always looks effortless because everyone they're influencing seems to want to do the thing they they wanted to do. And it's like, uh, obviously everything can, everything power related can be used in a bad way, but it's like, it's like the most powerful, it's more powerful than commanding an army. It's like, that's, that's the thing. I, I feel like women have been robbed of this superpower because they've been convinced it doesn't exist or it's wrong somehow. And even men, I, I mean, I was just on a, a Facebook live with my men's group telling them like, Guys can do this too. Like you can, you don't have to use force all the time. In fact, sometimes it's better to give people the space to make it feel like it's their idea. I guess my point was that our relationship is the first time where I've felt like I could be comfortable negating some of that power in a way where I still felt safe. Mm -hmm. Like 
the quote-unquote bottoming word is not the same as giving up your power. Mm-hmm. I think that's the thing that clicked in my brain mm-hmm. was that you could have a really healthy relationship with someone where you both show up and compliment each other. You're not doing the same things yeah. and you're not giving up power. You're just supporting each other in different ways, where, which feels really comfortable for you. Yeah. And you're doing the things that, I mean, it's like specialization in a society, like the person who's the best person at ordering Ubers does the Uber thing. The person who's great with laundry does the laundry thing. And like, and it's like the, the, the net value is the pie becomes bigger because everyone's doing more of what they're good at and they enjoy. Yeah. It's like crazy that when people think like, Oh, we need to drive the same amount. We need to spend the same amount. We need to do the same exact amount of chores. Like, no, no, you, you do the things. If everyone does the things that they're good at, everything just like this more total value created. Why don't people, I don't know why it took me this long. I think that people don't get this because even Mm -hmm. in situations before where I felt like I could let go and like ease into a situation like that, where it was like that healthy balance of everyone, yeah, doing the things they're really good at. Mm -hmm. It felt like something was off. Like my partner was not comfortable with it or I didn't feel safe doing it with them. I've had times where I have done that, where I've like leaned into it and this and that. And then it felt like it got used against me. And maybe this happens the other way too. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think when people are insecure, or unaware, like I could see, like you know, I don't, I don't know what would be an example of this, but it, since we're talking about things that aren't necessarily like debits and credits, where you can like line things up on a balance sheet, it can be easy for someone to look back, like, oh, well, I did all of this, and they never do the dishes, but then you forget that they did the laundry every time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure that's part of it. Also, also, I think, I mean, this is what I learned in BDSM is that the sub is the exalted position. Like everything is for the sub. So it's like, if, yeah. And people misunderstand what, like what is mechanically happening versus what is like emotionally happening. And, um, that's the thing that we, like one time when we did mushrooms, I was saying like all like women want men to take care of material reality. Right. You said that a lot. And I always joke with you, but then I was like, men want women to help them with their emotions. Like, and that's the thing that I love. Like, I'm always like, what do you feel about that? How do you like, how can we connect more? And like, I think guys don't take into account how valuable that is. Mm -hmm. And then they like kind of laugh at women for having all these feelings when they're desperately inside wishing that someone could help them cry just because they haven't cried in three years. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, I mean, Jerry Seinfeld had a thing, I think was his, he was, had a talk with, I think Alec Baldwin, they're talking about how they've been so successful because of the, like just the emotional support of their wives and they're like, oh yeah, when a woman loves you, you can do anything. And like, that's like, every guy knows that, but we forget. Like when you have like the loving support of a woman, you can just like accomplish more things. And like, that is just as, that's more valuable than having someone pick up the Uber bill <laughs> or whatever, you know, uh, these are crude examples, but, um, or it can actually amplify what you're actually doing to the point where you're making more money than exactly. what you started with. Yeah, because that immaterial thing uh, can feed into the material thing. We're using examples that have happened in our real lives. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was going to say something about... Uh, so there's a, a Tantra idea, which I, I don't know if I believe it. Uh, I mean, I, I don't subscribe by it 100%, but they're like... Um, a man's positive pole is his sex. Like you can see it in our anatomy. It goes outwards and a woman's is her negative pole is her sex. It goes inwards. 
but the heart is opposite. Um, like uh, women's positive pole, like where their current comes out is from their chest and men's is receptive in their heart, which is why women are protective of their sex and men are protective of their heart. And I was thinking about this, I think one of our drug experiences recently about um, how as a guy, typically, like men need more space to recognize when they love or like they need, it's like, a woman will be like, well, we're going to fall in love. Let's just go. And like the guy's like, ah, I mean, I need some time and, and gentleness, but it's like almost exactly what I would tell a guy with like escalating sexually with a woman. Like you need to give her the space to feel her own desire. Like if you, if you go into it too fast, even if she wanted it or would have wanted it, she doesn't have the space to like feel it herself. She's not going to feel like it's her own. And I think it's the same thing flipped for men in attachment or love. All things you realize from us. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, it's the stuff we <laughs> talked about. We had a few good drug experiences. And I had some realizations. But also, like, the beginning, too, because, like, you were always so, like, <laughs> literally, like, I don't want this to be a Me Too mo moment to the point where you would go out of your way to the point where I didn't even know if you liked me. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, when we first started to have chemistry, we were on drugs, and I was like, I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to go sexual unless it's clear because... We're on drugs. Which is exactly what you were just saying before about creating that space. Yeah, creating enough space and you jump my bones. <laughs> right? See, it works, guys. Bottoming. <laughs> <laughs> but one other thing I wanted to talk about that we've talked about on drugs is mm -hmm. I feel like we say a lot of things on drugs. Anyways, the whole thing about women, I think a lot of people need to hear this because it's something that really resonated with you was women realize that men don't know where they're going most of the time. And women don't really care. They just want the guy to say, I got this. Like, I'm okay with leading. Yeah, it's it was, it's very refreshing to hear that from a woman. Yeah, and also for me to be, like, I'm very open about I am a powerhouse. I am very independent, all of these things. But, like, in a lot of situations, when I'm at home and I let my guard down, I just want to be with a guy who's, like, confident and just, like, I got this. It's... And it doesn't even matter what it is. If it's like you got the Uber or you like, I'm terrible at directions, you know what direction we're walking. It's just nice to know that even if we get lost, you'll be like, it's fine. We'll figure it out. And like in all things in life, I think that's really what women are looking for. Yeah. They say they want a confident guy. It's not that they, they, the guy has to even know what they're confident about. It's just like the assurance that they'll figure it out. Yeah, I think, yeah, I wish I heard that when I was younger. Because, like, I think there's a common fear with men that what if I don't, like, I would love to be confident, but I don't know what the right thing is. And what if I lead us astray or lead mm -hmm. us into the wrong thing? And it's, like, kind of refreshing to hear that from a woman that, like, oh, like, you can mess up, just, like, fix the mess up, too. Because, um, I mean, every guy, I'm sure, has had experiences where they did a thing wrong or whatever, and they lost the woman's affection or whatever the thing was. It's kind of... um like confidence is a really important thing for dudes. Confidence it, with reality. But even what you were saying too, like a lot of guys, um, even I think we've talked about this before in um, like erectile dysfunction. Like a lot of times, even it's it's like the confidence is an issue to begin with, right? Mm -hmm. But even if they they are able to get it back up, it's like the confidence in the moments when things are not working, maybe again, right? Like that's when, if their confidence fails, like it goes back down and everything. So it's like the confidence that even in the moments when things are fumbling around, even in sex or in life, it's like, it's going to be okay. I think that's what I'm trying to say. Cause that yeah. feeds into everything. 
So even if things are fumbly in the relationship or in life, it's like, that's the moment where a woman's just looking at the guy to be like, is there, I literally think women just want them to, someone to say everything's going to be okay. Yeah. I know and that men want so basic. Well, and like the basic thing men want to hear is I'm still going to love you when you mess up. Yeah. Because we've all, I mean, I think most guys had experiences where that didn't, that wasn't the case because everyone's insecure. I, I realized something when we were talking about the like, like sexual dysfunction stuff. Um, like, like you're saying like, well, what can a woman do in a situation like that? And I'm like, reassurance is not what you want to hear. Cause then it's just like recreating the reality that the guy's messing up and he needs to be caught on the woman's obviously not in a receptive state. She's trying to be therapy, the therapist for the guy. And then no one's in the right. It's like, I realized like the best thing a woman can do is to just be in her receptive state and, and trust that he's going to figure it out because like, whether it's like a sex, like an erection issue or like a life competency issue, like the man needs to figure it out. On, he needs to, he needs to figure it out on his own. He needs to like unfuck himself. Like that's like if, if someone from the outside fixes it, he's never going to feel secure again. Mm-hmm. So like with an erection thing, yeah, I'm just like, yeah, if, if, she, if, cause like the thing that the guy worries about and gets in his head about is like, oh, she's not going to have a good time mm-hmm. or she's going to see me as, you know, something. Like weak or undesirable. Weak or, or yeah, or, or like. So yeah. if she's just like still in the moment and still hot and bothered and feeling sexy, uh-huh. then that proves that everything's okay. Yeah. And then, you know, he might have a moment and then he can let go of whatever his thing is. And that's the best shot he has. But like being like, but like outwardly reassuring him is just going to uh, perpetuate the reality that something's wrong. Mm. So many things. Yeah. So just, just so everyone knows, it's not that we planned on doing all these drugs. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of these drugs kind of just appeared. Like, uh, well, the last one at our last Airbnb, yeah. you were like rummaging around and MDMA. Wait, let me tell the story okay, right. Yeah, so ahead. we f- flew from Johannesburg to Cape Town. My thing I do whenever we get, I get into any new place, any new Airbnb is to like open all the the cabinets most specifically in the kitchen i'm a curious person but mostly in the kitchen i'm doing it to see like what pots and pans we have or like oh there's some tea left over that we can use so we were five minutes into our apartment and i'm talking to ruan while i'm opening all the cabinets and i'll take out the tea like it's like 10 box of you know tea bags i pull it out and Below it, something drops on the counter, and I'm not even joking. It was a dime bag of white powder, and I just mm-hmm. like whip around to Rue, and I'm just like, "What the fuck is this? How is it five minutes into the apartment experience, and there's drugs?" And he was like, "I think it's just salt." Okay. Yeah, it was either fancy salt or drugs. So yeah, I just tasted a little bit with my pinky. It turned out to be MDMA. And then I took a little bit because if he's on it, I'm going to be on it. And then that night. We felt something. That yeah, it was like a pretty, you know, it's kind of strong. For just a little bit. And then we were like, okay, so are we going to take this whole thing? And then we decided the universe told us to do it. Yeah, it's too crazy. In retrospect, definitely should not take mystery drugs. But I knew it had Lesson MDMA Lesson for the children. It, don't it tasted take, like MDMA. Don't take mystery drugs. Yeah, but, you know, it, it did feel like the universe uh, and fate. Because, like, every other week, we've someone has, like, offered us, like, LSD or something or Mushrooms. whatever. And they just keep appearing. It feels like, okay, I mean, yeah. I think our, we're not going to do drugs for a while. Well, I'm getting, we're going on a plane different places soon. Yeah, I don't want to do, like, this last one, I'm kind of, like, the come down was kind of rough, and I'm kind of glad it was rough, because, like, it just, like, 
in my head, not. Oh, and then someone yesterday offered us cocaine. <laughs> we said no. <laughs> and we said no, which I think was the right move. Okay. Like the universe, no. We're yeah, not doing cocaine. The universe is giving us a menu, like, you want to try this? You want to try this? You want to try this? And we're like, no coke, thanks. I and he, like... The guy, he said, uh, would you like some snarf? Or would you like to snarf? Which I guess I, meant, I had okay. to Google what that meant. Yeah. Which I guess that's a South African term. Anyways, so not doing any drugs anymore and things are still happening in the world. I guess we should wrap this up. Yeah. Do you have anything else to say on women, on drugs? No, I guess maybe just like if people resonate with this, maybe they could tell you and then if we could do... I wouldn't be surprised if this could be a cool like regular thing. Show out of its own? Yeah. Oh, uh, if you caught episode 60, you know, Brittany was in the cult. I don't know if we talked about the show on the... No? No, we didn't. Well, anyway, uh, might be might be hosting a cult-themed TV show. The two of us may be hosting a TV show... On cults. About cults, where we go check out different cults around the world and support the people leaving the cults. If you're interested in that kind of thing, let me know, because then I'll let the TV people know. It's like some <laughs> t- you know production company in Los Angeles. It'd be nice to know that people... What is our life? Yeah. Um, any other announcements? Um, check out your stuff at BrittanyBond.com. Yes. BrittanyBond.com. Also, Ruan has a YouTube channel now. Well, they know me. I'm like plugging you. Oh, this is my okay. show. Oh, okay. Um, I think everyone listening knows who I am. Yeah, I have a YouTube, I have a YouTube channel yeah. called Remote Collective. You should all subscribe. It's about remote work if you want to be... A, Digital nomad, learn how to work remotely and travel the world while producing an income. That's what I do. Plus different tips, and especially for women entrepreneurs. So Remote Collective, and then my name, BrittanyBond.com. That's how you can find me. Yeah, and while we're on it, um, I am new on YouTube, so. (laughs) (laughs) I can plug you if I want to. (laughs) Um, So you can check me out, Ruami Pagla, on YouTube. There there might be two of them. One of them is my personal Gmail. I'm going to get rid of it in a second, but it's the one that actually has videos. You're making this way too complicated. Well, we have extra time because, you know, I usually go an hour. All right, love you, all of you listening. Goodbye. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast. If you want to catch the rest of my work, go to Rwando.com. Catch me on social media, at Rwando. And please do not forget to subscribe.